are listening to Rumination Tuesday on Law and Gospel on this March the 2nd in the year of our Lord 2021. And we're taking a look at the hymn assigned for this third Sunday in Lent. May God bestow on us his grace. We don't need to spend much time talking about the author because it's none other than Martin Luther. And he lived from 1483 to 1546, and he was trying to get hymns in the vernacular so the people could sing them in a worship service. This hymn was written in 1523. It's a paraphrase of Psalm 67. And in those days, of course, there was great conflict uh, between Lutherans and Roman Catholics. In fact, on May the 6th, 1524, a man was arrested in Magdeburg for singing Luther's versifications of Psalm 67 and selling copies of them. He was actually arrested. And, and then you've got a, another interesting story the German museologist Edward Emil Koch talks about how Gustavus Adolphus of Sweden during the Thirty Years' War commanded that the hymns A Mighty Fortress is Our God and May God Bestow on Us His Grace be played by trumpets and kettle drums before the battle at Lützen in 1632. The Protestant forces triumphed, but Gustus Adolphus lost his life. So there's some real history to this. This hymn is considered to be the first missionary hymn of the Reformation. And we'll see that as we go through it. With us, I'm Tom Baker, is Pastor Mark Smith. Uh, you like this hymn, don't you, Mark? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm not crazy about the uh, the tune, but uh, that's okay. The words are great, and you you are absolutely right. It's you know it, this is really a mission emphasis. Luther is showing his uh, his his love for lost nations in this hymn. In fact, there's two of them in our hymnal, two different tunes. Right. The one is the original from Magdeburg in 1524, but the other one was written by David Lee, who was born in 1956. And so we would be singing the original one this Sunday at our church. But before we get into the hymn, you know, a lot of individuals uh, appreciate when we talk theology, and I have had requests about whether or not there is a way to hear you doing sermons. Well, we can tell them that beginning this Wednesday, there will be a way, is there not? For me? Yes. 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 Uh, in fact, I'm going to be preaching my first sermon out at uh, St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Wildwood. That's out on Highway 109. And I'm going to, I, I'm going to be serving as their vacancy pastor and uh, this will be the this will be my uh, first sermon uh, this Wednesday evening at the uh, at the Lenten service. That'll be seven o'clock. 
7 o'clock, and seven o'clock. you'll be then preaching every Sunday. Right, yeah. That's, What's that's, the Bible study time and the uh, sermon t- uh, worship time Sundays? Well, uh, we're going to have a Bible study that'll be uh, Thursday morning from 10 to uh, about 11.30 or so, 10 to 11.30. That'll be uh, Thursday morning there. It'll be the, the Epistle to the Hebrews, just starting off that, on that one. And then uh, Sunday, uh, we have two services, one at 8.30 and one at nine, one at 9.30, and a Bible class in between on uh, beloved beloved uh, heroes of the Bible, heroes of well, faith. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, you can't have Sunday. a service at 8.30 and 9.30 with a Bible class between. There's well, no time. well I, let's see, 8.30, if I got that right, 8.30 is the first service. Yeah, you're right. Thanks for correcting me on that. Uh, there'll be an hour-long service beginning at 8.30, and then we'll follow the Bible class at 9.40. Okay. And, uh, and then, then, the w- uh, then the late service begins at uh, 10.30. Thanks for correcting me on that. I was doing this all in my head. Yes. Well, don't do your sermon in your head. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I... am looking forward to it. No. I consider you one of the best sermon uh, preachers around. I know people join your church specifically because of your preaching. So where is um, in Wildwood? Do you know how to get people? That, that's near the Chesterfield Airport. Yeah. Uh, the easiest way for me is to just go out to the very end of Clayton Road. The end yes. of Clayton Road and take a right on Highway 9. It's about two to three miles down that road. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. It's a great, and, great area. You know, Wildwood is pretty, uh, kind of a wooded area. Wonderful parish out there. I'm really thrilled to be given this opportunity to, to be a vacancy pastor there. And the reason you are is because the pastor is retiring, who just so happened to be a member of my congregation. Yes. Good man. He's a good pastor. Pastor Stephen, Steve Erden. Yes. And so um, this is an opportunity for people to hear Mark Smith at uh, in Wildwood. All righty. May God bestow on us his grace. Let's have you read stanza one. May God bestow on us his grace with blessings rich provide us. And may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us, that we his saving health may know, his gracious will and pleasure, and also to the nations show Christ's riches without measure, and unto God convert them. It's that last sentence that really makes this a missionary hymn. Right. That's always that's always the uh, the hope that. Uh, that uh, the grace and riches that the Lord provides all the nations will give us an opportunity to share the the one the bread of life the the, the gospel and uh, and bring them to the faith of our Savior. And notice the subject of the verse when we're talking about the gospel. It doesn't say, "May we by our works have grace bestowed on us." Right. It says. May God bestow yes. on us his grace. That's right. And that's a, all a, his doing. Yes, all his doing 
In fact, it's a big teaching of the Reformation in contrast to every other religion uh, in the world that you cannot do anything in order to be saved. God does everything and then applies that salvation to you. That's right. In theology, we have a fancy name for that. It's called divine monergism, meaning well, that, explain uh, that. Yeah. God, God does everything, as you say. Yes, monergism. Synergism would mean that we are working together with him. Yes. That we, like we do half, he does half, that kind of thing. But this is divine monergism. He is doing it all. Yeah, so there's no teaching in the Scripture that you need to invite Christ into your heart in order to be saved, because then you would be actually doing the work of your salvation. Yeah. In fact, if you're moved, if you're moved to pray that, he's already in your heart. The Holy Spirit is already in your heart moving you to pray that prayer. Well said. Because no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy, Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. Now, I, I found it interesting the readings, especially the Old Testament reading, it's the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And you would think, what are the Ten Commandments doing in a Sunday where the hymn is, May God Bestow on Us His Grace? Because it sounds like the Ten Commandments are there so that we can do things to please God earn his pleasure and maybe his salvation. Yeah, no, no the, no, the commandments are a, a Christian guide for living. They're a response. They're a thank offering that we offer our Lord. It's, it's always in response to his good news, the, the, uh, our, our keeping his commandments. Well said. The chronology of salvation is important. First is justification, where God gives you faith, and you are justified, heaven is your home, you are fully saved. Then sanctification is actually your response to having been fully saved. It cannot be a way to become saved. It's like children. When they are brought up by their parents, their obedience is not what makes them children of their parents but it's rather a response that they have been either begotten or adopted by their parents. That's right. So, well said, Tom. So this, um, uh, on Monday, what I did yesterday, I have a technique in teaching the Ten Commandments because it's very clear from Exodus 20 that they are not meant to make God your God since verse 2 says, I am the Lord your God, and I can prove it to you. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Then follows the Ten Commandments. And here's my understanding of them, Mark. I want to know what you think of it. That when you break the Ten Commandments, you're not only doing disobedience against God's will. That is a sin but you're also throwing away a gift that God has given you since the fall of Adam and Eve. For example, the first commandment, he 
becomes your God. That's your gift. The second commandment, he gives you a name that you can call upon. So when you're praying, you just don't say, hey, you up there, but you can use his name. And the third commandment, remember Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the Garden of Eden. So they lost God when they sinned. They weren't able to speak to him and they could not hear him. And that's what the third commandment does. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy means not to despise preaching and his word, but gladly hear and learn it. And that's what I did on Monday. I went through every one of the commandments and showed how we received a gift returned to us, lost by Adam and Eve in the garden. And therefore, a breaking of the commandments is much more than just going against God's will. It's actually throwing a gift back into his face. Yeah. And and every one of those commandments is protecting something that's very precious to them. You already mentioned God's name and uh, his, his, his worship. Uh, third command. How about the fourth commandment? He, we protect divine. We protect God-given authority. Our parents and governmental authority. The fifth commandment protects human life. The sixth commandment uh, protects God's precious gift of of marriage and our sexuality. The, the seventh commandment, our good name is protected. The eighth. No, 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 no. no, no you're right. Second, the seventh commandment is. Uh, is our property, individual property. Yeah, you shall not steal. Right. And the uh, the eighth commandment is our, our good name is protected. Right. right. Bear false witness. Yeah. So, so everything, all those commandments protect something very precious that God has given us. That's very good to say that. I hadn't thought about the protection acts aspect, uh, but that's a gift that God gives us. And therefore, when we obey his commandments, we're just receiving the gifts. And and that's what the hymn says. May God bestow on us his grace with blessings rich provide us. Right. And uh, that's, of course, the many gifts that are given through the Ten Commandments. Then, and may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us. What would that be referring to, the brightness of his face? Let's see. Oh, the brightness of it. Well, that you know, that reminds me. This hymn reminds me somewhat of the uh, of the Aaronic benediction. Uh, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. I think, first of all, I think of, of Jesus uh, actually showing us God's face in the flesh. Yes. And, and, so, so that's what I think of when I see that line. Yeah, in, in fact, um, we're going to see that more in stanza three. But uh, that's a good point to make that Luther includes the ironic blessing here. That we his saving health may know. Now, what's saving health referring to? Saving health. Well, it's obvious. Uh, Saving well, I, saving health is that is that a, a spiritual or is that physical? What do you think? Well, it can't be physical because many of us are ill. Yeah, His gracious will and pleasure that we His saving health, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. Yes, that's exactly correct. 
And, and that's why you need to really look at the context in the Bible when it talks about the health of the Christian is really referring to his new status before God of being sinless and holy That's and right. therefore is able to even take the Lord's uh, supper. And that is to be shown to all the nations. All right, I'll do stanza two. Thine over all shall be the praise and thanks of every nation. And all the world with joy shall raise the voice of exaltation. For thou shalt judge the earth, O Lord, nor suffer sin to flourish. The people's pasture is thy word, their souls to feed and nourish in righteous paths to keep them. Now, for me, the most important part there is what is the pasture that the sheep graze in, according to this verse? It's, it's thy word. It's God's word. Yes. Well, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That word is capitalized. Which word is that? Is, it, is that the word made flesh that dwelt among us, Jesus Christ, or is that his holy word? What do you think? I don't think there's a distinction if you remember the transfiguration. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Him, yes. And how do we listen to him? We we heed his word. Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest his word. The scriptures, exactly. Yes. Yes. We cannot hear Jesus in our minds. I mean, there are people who say, yeah, I got a message from Jesus and I need to do this. No, that's that's nonsense. Yeah. No, right. He right. speaks through his word. Uh, remember what the word and sacraments are referred to as the means of grace. And that's what the hymn starts with. Right. May God bestow on us his grace. grace. And that is bestowed when we listen to his word and by trusting his word, then guess what? We receive God's grace and are saved. And, and that word, I was talking to someone yesterday, believe it or not. Um, this was a private conversation I had. Uh, no longer. I was, <laughs> no. Well, I, no I, longer I won't, private. <laughs> I won't mention the name. Okay. But um, the person didn't know I was a pastor, and I had uh -huh. Louise there. So I said, oh, yeah, I, I'm a pastor. And she said, oh, really? They said, yes, I just love uh, teaching my wife that uh, the wife should obey the husband. <laughs> and she laughed and she said, yeah, I've heard that. That's the Old Testament, but I'm a New Testament person. <laughs> <laughs> this is the person you were talking to. Yeah. So we had a conversation <laughs> about how there's no distinction between the Old and New Testament. And then I also explained that for a wife to obey the husband doesn't mean she obeys whatever he says, but only when he's using God's word. So let's say they have a baby. The, the husband's task is to make sure the baby's baptized and the wife obeys it. But if they're putting uh, a paint job in the room, the husband has no superiority over the wife as to what color the paint should be. <laughs> In fact, sometimes so we, inferiority. 
<laughs> Always. Because, boy, I, I'm colorblind when it comes to yeah. how to there's decorate no, a room. There's no accounting for taste, is there? Yeah. No, no, absolutely. That's why I never buy her jewelry, because I have no <laughs> idea what she likes. <laughs> I don't the know. If that, thing, I don't know if that excuse would go over in every situation. <laughs> no, no, that is no doubt about that. There's, no, I just buy her chocolates from Trader Joe's. Oh, that's that's good. Stanza three, please. Okay. Oh, let the people praise thy worth in all good works increasing. The land shall plenteous fruit bring forth. Thy word is rich in blessing. May God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit bless us. Let all the world praise him alone. Let solemn awe possess us. Now let our hearts say, Amen. There's a grammatical thing in here that the world cannot understand. It says, first of all, may God the Father, God the Son, yeah. and God the Spirit bless us. But then in the next line, yeah. it says, let all the world praise him alone That's rather right. than praise them alone. Why is the him the proper word? Well, it, it, three persons... Yet one God. We speak of God exactly. with, that, with that pronoun him because he is one, even though we do designate uh, the three persons of the Godhead. This also explains what our good works are. You already mentioned it. They aren't the cause of our salvation. But what, what, what does the first line of this verse say they are? Let the people praise thy worth in all good works increasing. Yes. Good works, therefore, are a way to praise God. Right. The They're not a way to earn our salvation. Right. Thank God. In fact, yes, uh, that was the parable of the sheep and the goats. Both the sheep and the goats, a lot of people forget this, gave food to the hungry, visited people in prison. It's not just the sheep that did that. The goats did also. But the sheep did it with a motivation out of love for Jesus, whereas the goats do it out of a motivation of self-interest. And often the sheep do it without even thinking, you know, uh, with, without even thinking about it. Remember when, when uh, the Lord comes again and he judges us, remember his sheep say, when did we ever visit you? Uh, when yes. did we ever visit you in prison? When did we ever clothe uh, you, you know, they don't know. They, you know, they do it without thinking. That's that's kind of it's a natural it's a natural response of a, of a, a reborn heart. Yes. Once more, you get the missionary aspect of this hymn in this third verse. Let all the world praise him alone. Let solemn awe possess us. Now let our hearts say, Amen. Now. That's interesting. A, a lot of the hymns don't end with amen anymore. Right. But in this verse, it actually is in there. What does amen mean? Yes, yes, it shall be so. Indeed. Yes. Now, in one of the four churches I'm serving, the organist 
always plays an amen at the end of every hymn, even yes. where there is none. Right. You know, I don't know if your organist, well, you don't know because you're now going to a new church. Oh, I, I'd be inclined to or, organists. You know, organists have told me, different organists have told me that some, sometimes the amen is just, is just, does not fit for some reason. I'm not a musician myself. I'm not an organist, but that's what I've been told. But I know this: a lot of the a lot of the old faithfuls love that amen added on at the end to a hymn. Yes, I can't think of a hymn where you wouldn't want to say amen. This is right. true. Right. All right. Thanks so much, Mark Smith. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be doing a new series. We finished. CFW Walther's Law and Gospel. So we're doing a series on the churches in Revelation beginning tomorrow. But Thursday, there's a big secret that we're going to let you know about. And I believe KFUO is partly responsible for it. That's on Thursday. God bless you. Each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.